Adam, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Jonathan. Pleasure to be here. Can you tell the folks a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, sure. So, uh, happy to. So uh, my name is Adam Aronson. I'm the president and the founder of Full City Consulting. We've been in business for 16 years, providing software consulting um, services related to the FileMaker platform, uh, pretty much everything and anything having to do with the FileMaker platform. And my primary role is uh, I'm the, you know, in addition to being the owner of the company, I'm pretty much the lone salesperson. Uh, so in addition to working, you know, on the business as the owner, I get an opportunity to work in the business as the, um, as the person who's doing all the sales and marketing activities. Excellent. And how many employees do you have or whether, you know, whether or not they're employees, contractors, what's that makeup? See, so yeah, the, 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 the quick question to the answer to that question is that I've got, um, about 12 to 14 people who are billing, uh, for my company in every, any given week, uh, that can fluctuate. It's a, it's a mixture of part-time, full-time, you know, FTEs and, uh, subcontractors as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. And how are you currently pricing your projects? Um, so we give ballpark proposals. Um, you know, we talk about scope with customers. We try to match scope with a budget and a velocity that they can support with their resources. And, um, you know, this is a much, we could probably spend the next three hours, I think on this one answer, but, um, yeah, we bill our, we bill, we bill hourly. Um, but you know, we, how we tee that up and, and, uh, um, you know, how we, how we support that is, uh, you know, a great amount of effort, um, to get to the point where we feel we can do that with some, uh, with some confidence. Mm. Yeah. So we were recently together at a conference in Chicago and you had told me at that time that, uh, hourly billing was a source of many stresses and problems in your business. Sure. What are yeah. some typical uh, ones? Like, you know, taxes, well, yeah, I mean, I, the, the, I think the line I used with you is that, you know, hourly billing is like taxes and fossil fuels, right? There's just, just not a better not a better answer at the moment that uh, I can come up with. So, um, you know, some of the challenges we run into is that when you're billing for the hour based on, an uh, you know, a, a common expectation of, of a result between the customer and the developer, project manager, business owner, uh, stakeholder, you know, when all those part, all those parties all have an opportunity to interpret what does it mean to get the result done and how long is that going to take? Um, so that often results in just a, you know, there's, there's some amount of conflict that comes as a result of that. Um, plus the, you know, the, I mean, my, my, what I find is that that where hourly billing really starts to nip us, it's not so much when we're pricing the project or when we're teeing off the project, talking to the customer about how we're going to do the work. It's in the final seven, you know, the final 25%, 10% of the project. <laughs> That's right. when that hourly building is like all of a sudden the microscope's on it and it becomes very difficult to maneuver at a time where you arguably need, you know, the most flexibility to maneuver the project into uh, deployment. Mm, what a great way to put so, it. It becomes difficult to maneuver. That's yeah. a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Thanks. I'm assuming that that the reason it becomes difficult and the reason the microscope comes out is because you're, you're close to at or exceeding the original estimate. Is that typically uh, the case? Yes. And it, uh, uh, well, at that point you're, you know, you're likely exceeding the mm -hmm. estimate. I mean, I do, I do tell customers that our projects, you know, 75% of them go over budget and the customers and, you know, the, the objective is that if we know 75% of them are going to go over budget, that I'm not, that's not, that's not the empirical, that's purely anecdotal. Mm -hmm. um, if we know 75% of the projects are going to go over budget, we just need to plan 
looking for it and be aware of it. We don't want it to, you know, we don't want it to come in the form of an invoice that lands on somebody's desk, you know, and they spit their coffee on the monitor, right? That's not, <laughs> that's not what we're looking for. <laughs> right. um, we're, we're looking to graduate into that. And uh, however, uh, to answer your question, you know, uh, you know, the end of a project is just, you know, it's juggling flaming chainsaws, right? Mm. Um, and at the, at the, in that last 25% of the project, is when, in addition to that peril, all the other things that could go wrong are happening. You know, tensions high, project atrophy is at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, stakeholders are asking, when's it going to go live? All of the things that you know you may have, you know, let linger that were architectural decisions. That all, you know, t- typically it seems like all those curveballs come in the last twenty-five percent of the project, and then it's just a confluence of conspiracy. That you know will ultimately you know that's that, and that's where all of a sudden now the hourly billing becomes you know uh, a point of, of serious contention and 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 just um, and dispute you know mm, absolutely yes and it it creates this sort of vicious cycle of you know the the time at which you need to move the fastest is when it starts to get even uh, higher administrative overhead and lots of you know emotions are running high questioning of old invoices and people are going over hours reports and it's uh it, you, the experience you're describing is exactly the experience i was having at a when i was running a small firm and we were billing by the hour yeah, it's exactly right. the same as you're describing are there other there's also uh yeah. there's another um just an anecdote there is that you know the, the stakeholder never joins a call 30 percent of the way through the, the project and says hey you told me this was going to cost x <laughs> right. the, the initial estimate the initial estimate never comes into question until everything is really you know uh, on the ice you know everything is out of control mm-hmm. um, so I have some other you know I just have another uh, comment specific I don't know if you were going to go here but uh, yep, about yep. the hourly billing that's, that's how it impacts the project side right mm-hmm. and the customers from a culture side you know it's also difficult um, by developers are I think most developers are artists. I like to think of them as artists. I, I know when somebody on my team is having a good day, when they're in the groove, when they're in the flow, as Chris said at the Moose uh, conference. Yeah. And I know certainly when people are, I know when they come in and they're just, whether, you know, whether the cat puked on the rug or whatever, you know, or the, the, the tie, flat tire on the way to work, something outside the office is, is impacting them and they're just not in the zone. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of ways culturally, culturally that we try to we try to influence that. Unfortunately, you're talking about fitting something which is you know largely spiritual and analog into a digital, material format of billing hours, right? right. And that and that's there's a, just an inherent conflict is, uh, there as well. I mean, it's like if you were it's like if you were you know charging musicians to play symphonies by the hour, you know, uh, and all of the you know all of the would they flourish, right? And maybe jazz players is a better example, but, you know, would they, would they improvise and flourish? Will they do their best work? Mm-hmm. So there is a bit of a challenge there, mm-hmm. all too familiar with. Absolutely. So a couple of, couple of uh, other areas I'd like to explore. How do you track your hours? Do you have, like, elaborate systems in place where people are supposed to, uh, and you know, some interface that you've created that everyone's supposed to constantly fill out yeah. like what's the what's the standard operating procedure yeah we have an internal tool um that you know built to track our hours that we built um you know part of what we've learned over the years is that keeping it simple is much better than not 
So we really try to emphasize, you know, just get the hours in, make sure you're talking about the right project and the right iteration and the right feature that you're building the time against. Um, we're realizing that, you know, we need to even make it simpler. You know, we're in the process now of revisiting our workflow around that. And I think it's just best to ask people what we were working on and how long did it take? Mm-hmm. And it may not even, you know, and, and, you know, to take it a little further right now, we're even reconsidering like what kind of decisions they make around the time. It's probably just best that they just fill out a form that says this project, this feature, this amount of time and mm-hmm. no other decisions get made by the developer. So we ask a couple other questions on top of that, but that's pretty much how we do that now. Okay, so that raises an interesting point, which is measuring profit profitability, which, which I imagine is why you want to know the project. So, <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. Sure. So why why do you do that? Well, because I mean, obviously, we're building time, right? So we need to know which project is the is the time that they're spending. What's it going against? And again, we even get down. It's not uncommon, right? We get down to the feature level. Mm-hmm. What what issue? What 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 bug? What feature are you putting this time against? Um, inherent in that is its own other set of circumstances that I could tangent on. But, uh, you know, to, to answer your question, that's exactly the reason is, you know, we're charging time. We've got a profit, you know, we're, we're, we're watching the profit margin on the project based on the hours, mm-hmm. the cost associated with people doing that work and the overhead. Yes. You know, all that comes into play. Gotcha. Now, do you bill everybody out at the same rate or do you have different rates for different people or types of people we don't vary the billing rate by the person Mm -hmm. Um, what we do inside is if we have new people um, or if we have somebody who's using a learning opportunity on a specific feature we'll throttle that you know we'll throttle the time internally we'll divide the time Mm -hmm. Um, you know and we may take so we've got some new people who started here who are new to to the platform and so what we've done with them is you know we've allowed we've allowed our team to make the decision, okay, they spent six hours on this. It should have taken two. Let's put that four hours into an onboarding bucket. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that we do internally. The only person whose time gets billed different than anybody else's is mine. So if somebody is looking for me for some higher level consulting, uh, or they're looking to, you know, or frankly, they're asking me to do a project, uh, to put some time in on something, I will negotiate that my time is more valuable and therefore more costly. Mm. I find it fascinating that pretty much everybody I've talked to who bills by the hour, they, there's almost always some uh, type of work that they don't charge the client for. It's usually some sort of educational thing where they're getting up to speed on some technical aspect of the project and they just feel like, you know, they, they just feel like it's not fair to charge the client for that. And which you were just sort of describing, but, but Mm -hmm. now here's the funny thing. They don't do the reverse, which is charge the client for things that they learned a long time ago that they (laughs) no longer have to do. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, it's always this sort of, right. It's the exact opposite. And it it, it seems inherently fair to everyone that the client should not be charged for my education, but why shouldn't I charge the client for expertise, you know, and, and the hourly model just doesn't support that, that flip side, which I just find that super fascinating. I think, I I think it could, if there was, you know, again, in our, in our team, our expertise is pretty normalized. I mean, we've got some people who, you know, who do some um, web consulting and web development, but other than that, um, you know, if, if we had a, a unique situation where a client came to us, and, you know, I guess maybe part of it has to be the, the expectation, right? 
if a client who's a long-time client of ours calls us and says, we're having a real strange problem with server. Can you have one of your, you know, can you have your best server guy look into it? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice about just saying, you know, yeah, let me see, you know, scheduling aside and all that. Yes, that person will come in and they'll bill at the standard rate. Mm-hmm. If we, if I had somebody who was coming to us out of the blue and said, hey, I've been told that you have this unique experience, um, I might structure it in a different way. And and the only way I could think that we do that is we offer a free uh, scanning um, app, if you will, uh, into a bridge app on our website that's a gap between, you know, that helps you scan documents into FileMaker. And we offer it for free. And when people come asking for, you know, more than just the general, hey, I have a quick question about this, then we do have, you know, a, a package, an installation package, which is much higher than our normal hourly rate. Mm, there you go. So I would call that yeah. sort of, and it's sort of fixed scope relatively. Yes. Yeah. So that's yes. usually what I refer to as a productized service where you're doing something high touch, but regardless of the client, it's more or less the same scope and you can uh, sell it for a fixed price or even a published price in some cases. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So I know you've known about value pricing for a long time. What are the sure. things that... You know, why haven't you pulled the trigger? Is it, it, it seems to be from our conversations, it seems to be attractive to you, but I know that it, you know, probably like most people, it feels risky. Yeah, definitely risk. What, what frankly, what seems attractive to me is that it's an alternative to what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, that, that's the baseline, right? Is I'll consider an alternative. Um, uh, you know, why I haven't pulled the trigger is, um, frankly, I haven't, to be fair, I haven't spent enough time really investigating it to know what all of the pitfalls would be. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about somebody who's, you know, given it the proverbial, you know, 30,000 foot view or 60,000 foot view. Um, and <clears throat> it's, it's, there's a lot of questions I have. How would I track uh, profitability? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how, how would I know how to price the project? That, that component I think is one of the biggest ones because I, I think I, as a general idea what the answer is to that and mm-hmm. from listening to you and talking to others who, who are in a similar spot. Um, so I, I think I'd have to retool our existing processes in order to be able to provide the, the, the research, the, the, the basis upon which I could make a value based statement. Mm-hmm. And then there's, then there's, which, you know, I, I haven't really thought of much since I saw you last. Um, but you know, <laughs> how does it, how does it trans? How does it transfer from a, a one or two person firm to a ten to fourteen person firm? Right. As, yes. Especially when you have you know when some of those people are being paid hourly. Right? Correct. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have a lot. I, I guess my 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 statement is that I can't. You know, I'm emphatic because of the the notion that I have. And like anything else, once I once I got past the the notions and now I'm into the curiosity stage. Um, you know, I can't say that I'm dead set against it. But I do. I can definitely say right now I don't know enough about it. Right. Hence my tapping you on the shoulder and shaking my finger at you. (laughs) Yes, you're value curious. You got me into this. (laughs) I know, and you you are right to be. uh, I guess I don't know if cautious is really the right word, but you're you're right to investigate it before jumping in because there. You, you are taking on more risk for which you are handsomely rewarded, but there is risk there. And mm-hmm. it's, like you said, it's different tooling in terms of standard operating procedures inside of the company and, you know, which is just, mm-hmm. just 
soft type stuff, you know, like telling your people how to do things now. And then there's the, well, geez, how do we set up our invoicing system, which is hundred percent based on hourly, you know, you've got this tool that you've created, like, how would we even change this? You know, there's, there's all of the, the tooling and procedures and culture and inertia and habit. And, and ultimately I think underlying all of that is changing the mindset to be able to have a different kind of conversation with a prospect right before you do the proposal than probably you're having now. So usually, usually when people mm -hmm. are billing by the hour, they, uh, they have this kind of, um, they're trying to uncover all the features that the person's going to want. And I, I remember when I used to do it, I would be listening to the conversation kind of with one ear and then it, like the with one half of my brain and the other half of my brain <laughs> would be doing like an entity relationship diagram <laughs> and i try and map out like okay here are all the tables each one's going to have a layout the relationships are going to be here here and here it means i need to have portals on these layouts each one of those counts is basically another layout because it can get complicated and i'd be making this kind of laundry list in my mind of the essentially exactly what the prospect was telling me and mm -hmm. i would i would say well i would used to say stuff like this all the time are you ever going to have <laughs> more than one <laughs> location <laughs> right. for a customer or right. never. Laughing, laughing out of familiar i'm laughing with familiarity right that, right that i know exactly what you're talking about yeah. right because you're trying to design the solution while you're talking to them <laughs> because you're trying to get a picture of how complicated it's going to be for you so that you can rough a number of hours and then you can multiply it by your rate and come up with an estimate, which you'll later blow and have to fight right. about it's because well, they didn't tell you everything. And ultimately the things that they're asking for, they're, they're telling you these things because you're, you're asking them, but you could be asking them completely different things, which is what I do now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have to say there's, it's funny as you were saying that I was I was uh, commiserating with you over the ever never how many <laughs> question that you were asking. Um, I think a, uh, a big shift in my process and I think in in how we approach what we do happened a number of years ago when I stopped using half my brain to think about the ERD the mm -hmm. the feature you know the the how are we going to do that what plugin are we you know I didn't I stopped my brain stopped going there. And the other half of my brain started to go to how do we how do we build this relationship in such a way? And I think this is where you'll probably, though we can't see you, you'll smile uh, <laughs> from a from a value based uh, from value building perspective. Because what I'm really trying to do with that other half of my brain is is think about how I can openly talk with the customer about the uncertainty and embracing the uncertainty with parameters around it, which will not let the uncertainty take advantage of risk and then blow up into disaster. Mm -hmm. So my, where I think I've been very successful with my sales process and custom software is that I don't do that with the other half of my brain. I don't think about the platform. I think about how am I structuring this arrangement with this customer in such a way that we're talking to them about meeting their objectives, meeting their goals, providing value, mm -hmm. And how are we going to do it in such a way that I don't have to sit here and start to think about what it is we're quantifying necessarily what we're doing and making that the most important part of the engagement. 
Mm-hmm. You know, how much do you think this is going to cost is not the conversation. Right. The conversation is what could it cost and what do we do to control it and how much of what you're spending on what it could have cost is the most effective way to spend your money. Right. Yes. So that's, that's definitely a step in the right direction. I'm curious, uh, you did. Well, thank you. <laughs> At least you're, I knew you'd like that. Yes, I do. <laughs> When you you did mention uh, objectives that when you have that conversation, you're talking about objectives. What can you give us an example of like what a typical objective is? I mean, are we talking like could it is it does it sound like a feature or does it sound like a business outcome? No, it's a business outcome. And that's what resonated with me about what you were talking about. You know, at at, at the Moose conference, I heard a lot of outcome and specifically you talked about that a lot. And yes, I'm aligned with that in that. The first questions I'm asking start with, why am I sitting here with you? Yes. Not what cool, what, not what cool thing can we use to solve, you know, to, to do something that you're not even telling me you need that. <laughs> right? So I'm really focusing more on why am I sitting here? Tell me why I'm sitting here. What are the problems you're having? What are they costing you? Mm-hmm. Right. I'm kind of giving you some lead in here, John. I, I hope you see that. Yes. Yes. You're segueing <laughs> nicely into my, you're singing yeah, my song. You. Thank you. Well, we just, well, you, you know, you made the checkout to the right person. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're, that's, that's the, that's the, that's the direction of the conversation, right? So that's where I'm trying to get to what's the underlying, because that's ultimately what everything is going to point back to, right? Mm-hmm. Whether something's going, whether, when something goes over budget, when 75% of the projects go over budget, but you're on track and you're showing the customer, you're proving to them that you can save them X per year, you know, which ultimately, you know, is some factor of what they're spending with you. Mm-hmm. Then, then any hourly conversation starts to become moot, right? Sure. Not moot, but, but less important. Right. So imagine, if you will, like taking them out of, you're already doing that half. It, you're already doing the half where you defined the outcome presumably you've got some way to measure progress toward that goal. You know, it'll be something that's pretty clear and you can tell if you're getting closer to it, you know, so, and, and there's some back of the napkin value for that outcome. So once you have those three things um, and then you, you do an estimate of hourly and then you're billing, you could just take hourly off the table and be like, well, okay, I've got this rough value. So I have what I need to calculate a price instead of not calculating a price, but, you know, presenting them with an imposter price, which is an estimate, which we know 75% of the time is wrong. So, you know, that one of the techniques that I suggest to people when they are dabbling in this or like trying to dip their toe in, first of all, always start small, do it on a small project, not a big one, but the, but the, um, the, the sort of tactic that you can use is to do everything exactly like you're already doing it and tack on an option on the proposal. You have the conversation, you write the proposal, it's going to be this many hours roughly at this rate. That's our estimate. And then you have a second mm-hmm. option that is that estimated number plus 80% and say, we're going to, we're going to achieve this goal that we discussed and you can either have it as an hourly thing that we'll keep track of along along the way and we'll probably go over because you know we don't know what we don't know or you can pay an 80 percent premium on top of that and we will stick to that price and achieve the goal without you know without having to watch the clock and without you ever having to think about money again in this relationship and we can just get down to business 
you're already doing the hard part. So the, mm. the, uh, and I, and I'm confident, highly confident that mm. you would be, you would be shocked the reaction uh, of, of the client, the, the, the change in their behavior throughout the course of the project is shocking. Like all of a sudden everybody is on the same page that forced March to hell that happens at the end goes away. <laughs> and you know, the stress level, the stress level between you and them goes away. Your stress level, if, if it turns out that your estimate was really bad, then your stress level is going to go up like in, in your own body, but there's not going to be stress on the relationship because the customer is going to be happy as a clam. They're going to be like, this is the best thing ever. You know, we don't, you know, we have some certainty about cost, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, but that's why I say start small because people tend to, maybe, maybe you won't because you're already having the right kind of conversation. But a lot of people who are just making the shift, they can't get their head out of the, out of the cost plus model and they'll tell me, oh yeah, I value priced my last thing. And then I'll say, okay, tell me how you calculated it. And they, they just, they didn't value price it. They fixed priced it based on what they thought mm. their time was. And then they mark it up a little bit. And those, those are almost always too low. And then they feel like right. they lost money at the end of it. And then they think value pricing doesn't work, uh, but they didn't actually value price it. Mm. So yeah, the, uh, what you just described was one of, I took very few notes at Moose. Uh, I had six things written in Evernote that I came back with, but that was one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and because, uh, maybe it's old age or maybe it's wisdom or a combination of both. I'm starting, you know, I've, I've been embracing the concept and I think you alluded to this earlier about, you know, um, of, you know, one of our colleagues is fond of saying, you know, yes, no, or a little, right. Or yes, you know, what's, what's the, you know, black, white, gray. So what you said earlier about retooling, um, yeah, clearly is not like, you know, that's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, um, and we know that, you know, there's tons of cost and risk associated with that. But on the other hand, you know, drifting or exploring is really part of my, you know, my interest in, <clears throat> in evolving our billing process or, you know, our structuring, our pricing mm -hmm. is to explore something. And, and I think when you said that, I thought, Wow, that's okay. That's that that resonated. Now I started thinking about well, what could go? What could what could be the risk there? Okay, so let's identify what could happen. So let's say I say to somebody, hey, "Here's your ten thousand dollar estimate. You can give me eighteen thousand dollars, and we won't talk about hours ever again. Mm -hmm. Only in the you know, we'll talk about days and weeks and deployment, but we won't talk about hours." Right. Well, <clears throat> the the nature of you know the, of what we do as consultants is we ask questions, and questions. Always, the answer you get for, for, to any question in our business is answer plus, right? And it's controlling the plus and identifying the plus and negotiating the plus and you know knowing when to say no and knowing when to say maybe your choice. You know that's kind of the art of mm -hmm. what we do. My concern would be that knowing that there's there, there's a philosophical shift that needs to happen from you know knowing we've got constraints to knowing we don't, and how do how does that impact the project manager and the developer? And the stakeholders that are, that are involved in the project to, well, we can keep throwing stuff in because we've got more headroom. Um, uh, I'm not tracking there. So, like, can you just elaborate on that, maybe with different words? Yeah, sure. So, I'm I'm saying, let's say, let's say we 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 look at the project, we quote a customer, we say, here's ten thousand. We think we looked at these features. 
we negotiated the ones that are high priority to you and that provide the most value. We've identified that they're hopefully going to, you know, they're going to save you potentially this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. We're going to work on those 10,000. Now we know, right, as we do now, 75% of our projects go over budget. We're mm-hmm. going to embrace it. We're going to do all the things to make sure that it's okay. Right? We're going to feel good about it. Well, the other option is we say, well, it could cost you 18000 and we're not going to talk about ours. Does that philosophically impact, does that inherently impact the type of the exploration? The, when you go to your iterations with your customer, you're showing them features and exploring what they could do and what they don't do. Oh, I see. It's the, it, if it's the same conversation... And without the constraint, yep. how do you negotiate it in such a way that you don't find yourself at, well, we delivered at $17,990. <laughs> it's without the, you, I, I understand now, without the constraint on the customer where if they, if they say, hey, let's do this, hey, let's add in this, this fun thing, it's, it's free for them, basically. So well, the, and also, it, not only the customer, but also my team, right? Because my mm-hmm. team, we're we're exploring. We're not we're not inherently looking to upsell. Matter of fact, if anything, we're looking to downsell. Mm-hmm. That's my point. Is you know we try to be minimalists when it comes to features. Mm-hmm. You know we try to really focus on what's the MVP, what's the minimal viable product, what's the minimal viable feature. Mm-hmm. But with that, with the constraints off, philosophically, does it change our approach? Yes. When my team, in the back of their mind, they know, oh, we've got eighteen thousand dollars. We can, you know, I'm doing my budget reports. We're doing great. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah. So the the there is some of that, and I the way I see it, and it really is philosophical. as a, a good choice of words. If the way I see it is, my my clients are never software developers. They're always you know, plastics manufacturers or you mm-hmm. know, a bank, a credit union, a retailer, they're not experts. They might have IT people, but they're not really experts at the particular thing we're going to do. That's why they hired us. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's my responsibility as the, the doctor, if you will, you know, if, if we're, if we're, you know, if I'm, I'm a doctor and we're in a hospital, I'm going to be t- calling the shots for the patient's own good. Now, if my patient happens to be a golf pro and we're on the golf course, he's going to be calling the shots, I guess, literally. <laughs> <laughs> but right. so, so I feel like a situation where the client has, this is going to sound, this is going to sound crazy, but I feel like when the customer has too much input on the, the, the details as they get smaller and smaller, it's kind of like asking the patient, you know, where do you want me to make the incision? You know, how do you want me to stitch it? It's like, you know, I I got this. All right. And and I kind of set it up at the beginning where I've even written it. There's even uh, a proposal floating around where I retained veto power on design decisions. So in other words, I said to the client, you're not allowed to make design decisions in this case because we have a clear goal. We're going to hit that goal. And what it Mm -hmm. looks like isn't the point. I will. Mm -hmm. I will. You can give me feedback. And if it makes sense, I'll do it. But I have to retain veto power because you could request things that are going to hurt the goal or delay the project, which is also lost opportunity cost, Mm. all these things. So I say, look, I hyper-focus them on the outcome. And, you know, most customers, if you think about it, if they could just have the outcome by snapping their fingers or by paying you to snap your fingers, they don't want to sit in all the, they love that. They don't want to sit in a million meetings and debate the color blue between the, you know, divider lines and how big the logo should be and, you know, blah, blah, you know, the usability of these buttons. Like they don't really want to talk about it. They just want it 
like awesome. They want it to work and they want everybody to be happy about it. Now, obviously you need some input from them, especially the end users about how to delight them. But that is all the constraint, I guess, is imposed in, in my, in my case, I impose the constraint and the constraint is I'm going to be fiercely protective of the project's success for your good and for my good. And we're not going to go off into the weeds, wasting time, bike shedding about something that doesn't matter. And if we get into a situation where I don't have an opinion one way or the other, we can either arbitrarily flip a coin, you know, just be like, just pick one because, you know, I don't think it really matters. So whichever one makes you feel better is fine. Or we can say, will A, B test it, you know, find mm -hmm. out how, you know, cause I'm usually doing web stuff. So it's pretty easy to A, B test stuff. So it takes a lot of those, it takes a lot. I mean, you know, a weekly, a weekly meeting would be, you know, 15 minutes and, and I don't do a lot of design reviews. It's more like, you know, a quick, I'll record a video of the work, the progress, and here you go. How does it look? What do you, you know, not, I, I wouldn't say how does it look, but you know, this, this is where we're at. This is why it's good. And you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. There's just, the, oh, that's great. The stuff they have to worry about just goes way, way down. Yeah. Well, a second takeaway. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. that's it. I mean, that, that <laughs> right. Uh, you know, there's embracing change and then there's encouraging it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to, the, to reviewing these features with with customers, and I would, I would, I would say that uh, you've given me some food for thought around um, is you know what what maybe I need to revisit with our team about how much we're allowing that. I mean, there's you know always I'm coaching them on you know it, it's a it, it, in the customer's best interest you say no. Mm -hmm. Yes, right? when exactly. You say no, in the customer's best interest you say no. So. I like, you know, I like to think that we're doing that. I think we're doing that. Um, mm -hmm. In some cases, you know, I, I know when we haven't <laughs> because it's been glaringly apparent, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, an 18 wheeler head on. Um, <laughs> but yes, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, and we've had a few, right? Um, sure. So, but yes, you bring up a really good point, which is, you know, making sure that you're focused, you, you're influencing how much we rabbit hole is really part of the delicate cost um, budget protection that you need to do during the course of the project. Mm, absolutely. Well, that's probably a good place to leave it. Yeah. I mean, I think we got plenty of fodder for part two when you're ready. Exactly. From, uh, <laughs> the, the project management here, edition. But... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Adam. This has really been great. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been good to talk to you. So Adam, before we sign off, where can people find out more about you and Full City? Oh, sure. Uh, our website is at www.fullcity.com. Um, and there you can read more about what we do and who we do it for and et cetera. Very good. Well, thanks again. Hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds great. Thanks. If you'd like to learn more about how to ditch hourly billing, please go to valuepricingbootcamp.com to sign up for my free email course. Again, that URL is valuepricingbootcamp.com. Thanks. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time, or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services so you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. 
Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.